Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. You have your Bibles with you, turn to Genesis, the first, first chapter, 26 verse. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I want to talk to you today about the family. Hallelujah. Like Pastor S said this morning, the family is under attack, and there's good reason for it. The devil don't like you, and he don't like your family. And he knows if he can get to you and get to your family, he'll get to the church. So we're not going to let him do that. Hallelujah. We're not going to be ignorant of the devil's devices. That's right. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, behold... I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree-yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat or for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creeps upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So when God created Adam, the Bible says he created him in his own image and in his own likeness. And in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So why did he say he created him, male and female, and then say created he them. Did he just create Adam or did he create Adam and Eve at the same time? Uh, why is he saying them? And I know it sounds confusing because God didn't make Eve until quite some time later. I mean, Adam had named all the animals in the, in the garden and everything else. And uh, so it wasn't until later that God decided that it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. And it says he created male and female because Eve was in Adam as a rib. And when he blessed them, as far as God was concerned, Eve was already a part of Adam and a part of his plan for mankind. And then in Genesis 2.18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet. And then in verse 21, he says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. 
And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And woman actually means man with a womb. So we're beginning to see why he said he, he created him and then blessed them and, and everything because Ad, uh, Eve was in Adam. And not only that, but we were in Adam as well because we're descendants of Adam. So we have to understand when God blessed them, is that mine? That when God blessed them, he blessed us at the same time. We are having some technical difficulties here. Hallelujah. Is that any better? Yeah. And this is the new one, praise the Lord. All right, let's give it another try. Otherwise, get me another one ready, somebody. Hallelujah. But not only were we in Adam, we were in Eve also because the Bible says that Eve is the mother of all living. Everything that's living, every human being that's living, Eve is the mother of. But Eve didn't have a mother. Amen. Amen. She came from Adam. And she's the only woman ever came from a man. And if men, you, if you ever wonder why you love ribs so much, this is why. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, yeah, hallelujah. I'm going to get another mic here in a minute, then we'll be all right. Or maybe we'll get this one to work. I don't know. Hallelujah. But anyway, when God blessed us, he instilled within mankind everything that we need to live successful and victorious lives. He put it in us at the creation. Amen. He put in us everything that pertains unto life and godliness. It's in there. And one of the main things that God put into his creation was a strong desire for relationship. Because he wanted a relationship with us. And he wants us to have a relationship with him. He put into us a strong desire for family. He put a strong desire into us because that's the same desire that he had in his heart. God is a family man and he wants a big family. Amen. Amen. And so he intentionally put the desire for relationship and a sense of belonging into our DNA or into our makeup. First of all, it would draw us to him as Father God. And then he instilled into us what I like to call a God seeker or a worship seeker. Every man has within him, every woman has within him a desire to seek after something or someone to worship that's bigger than they are. Every one of us. Every one of us have a desire to uh, 
have a God or, an, or something to worship. It's just in us. And God put that into us because he wanted us to seek him out. And so if and if you don't think that's true, then just look around the world at all the different religions we have, all the things that people worship, uh, the sun, the moon, the stars, Mother Earth. And that includes trees and rocks and mountains and rivers and valleys. I mean, just look at the condition of Egypt. They worship everything and anything. And uh, we worship movie stars, sports figures, houses, cars, a million other things. There's even devil worship. And there's self-worship, which is the New Age movement. You're a little God in yourself. Worship you. Hallelujah. And, and you know, it's because there's a God seeker inside of us. Yes. And we're seeking something to worship. Yes. And the reason there's so many different kind of idols in the world, I believe, is because the church hasn't done their job. God put the God seeker and the worship seeker into mankind, but he put the church here to lead them to the right one to worship, Jesus Christ. And if we don't do that, they are going to find something to worship. They're going to find a God of their own. Amen. So it's our job to do that. And, you know, God would never force anyone into a relationship with him. He's not looking for worse. He's not looking for Uh, robots to worship him. He's not looking for people that are programmed to worship him. He wants people to to love him and worship him because they want to, because they recognize him to be a wonderful God and a wonderful Savior, not because he's forced them to or made them. And and he also put into us a longing for someone to fellowship with. Our name is Faith Fellowship Church because fellowship uh, used to be a big part of our church, and it's going to be a big part of our church again. Uh, COVID interrupted that a little bit. The devil interrupted that. He don't like us fellowshipping. He don't like family units because that means trouble for him. Amen? Uh, there's unity in a family. There's power in a family. There's prayer power in a family because if any two or three agree, uh, one will put 1,000 to flight, two will put 10,000 to flight. He don't want the family unit. He hates the family. So this need for relationship and the need for a place to belong is also not only intended to draw us towards God, but also to draw us towards one another. Amen. As a family and as a church. And uh, the church is actually God's family. Amen. And and, uh, I think we all have some childhood memories of where we came from. Some good and some bad, but for the most part, I would like to think that we all have fond memories of somewhere that we lived or uh, family we were with in our childhood, relationships in our childhood. You know, I think of my childhood home and where I came from in Chicago, and it gives me warm, fuzzy feelings sometimes. (laughs) And although I have some bad memories, the good memories far outweigh the bad memories. But I've learned some things over the years. And and I came to realize one main thing is that it's really not the city of Chicago that gave me them warm and fuzzy feelings. Although I can relate a lot of my feelings to different places that I went to and lived in Chicago. uh, But that's not what gave me the warm feelings. Uh, There are things that happened there that I'll always hold close to my heart. And one of them is I found my wife or she found me or I don't know. I chased her till she caught me. 
But anyway, I started my family there. That will always be a warm, fuzzy feeling. And another thing I came to realize is that these warm feelings I have are not because of a geographical location. It's not because of the city of Chicago. And I have those feelings because of the relationships that I experienced and enjoyed there in the city of Chicago. And I had a sense of belonging, and I, I had a family there. And, you know, it, it wasn't Wrigley Field. It's, Wrigley Field is wonderful. Soldier Field is wonderful. Brookfield Zoo, Lincoln Park, all the different museums they have there, North Avenue Beach and the lakefront and fishing and all of that. Those are all wonderful memories. But it was the people that I enjoyed those places with that give me the warm feelings, not the place itself. Uh, you know, I'm not knocking Chicago, but I could take it or leave it. But I always have the memories of who I was related to and things and relationships that I had and family that I had in Chicago. Amen. And, you know, I still have family in Chicago. And, and uh, you know, I love my family dearly. And I know they love me. And uh, we don't have a real close physical relationship. But I know they're there for me when I need them. And they know I'm here for them if they need me. And that's because of a strong family bond, you know, a strong family relationship. I have a family all over the country, you know. I have them in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. And although we're not close together, I know we're close in spirit and close in heart. Amen? And so it's not the place, it's the people that you met in that place, the people you had a relationship with in those places. But I always have a place filled with memories that I can remember calling home. Uh, but now I know that no matter where I'm at, it's the relationships that really count. Uh, it's the relationships that make a home. It's a family that makes the home, not the place where it's at. Yes, location is important. It's nice to be in a nice area, a nice state, low tax. All that is important, yes. But that isn't what will give you the warm, fuzzy feelings. It's who you're spending that time in that place with that will give you the warm feelings and the fond memories. But that's why we have family reunions and we have high school reunions and holiday gatherings and get-togethers of all kinds and homecomings are sometimes just nice for a plain old visit. Amen? Amen. And, and as a rule, people like to be associated with something that brings them together. And uh, most people just don't like being alone. I know it's great to be alone for a little while, have a little peace and quiet. But I don't like to be alone on a regular basis. I don't like loneliness. If there's one thing I can't stand, it's being lonely. Amen? And so uh, God put that within us. Now, I know there's people that are hermits and people don't want to have nothing to do with people. But something disconnected there. There's, that's not normal, okay? That's their right to do it. If you want to live in a house that's backed up to a mountain and sit on the porch with a shotgun and watch the road coming to the house, that's your business. But that's not normal, and that's not for me. Amen? I like to be around people. But that's why we have memberships, health clubs, country clubs, fraternities, unions, PTAs, uh, Veterans Association, or this association, or that association, and even gang associations. And it's all because of the desire that we have within us for a relationship and a sense of belonging. We want to belong to something that's bigger than us. Yes. Amen. 
But of all the different relationships we're involved with, the strongest relationships and the strongest sense of belonging comes from family. Yes. Family. Amen. Amen. And, and, and that's, uh, that's the only place that you can get the type of bonds that I'm talking about is with a family. Yes, and, you know, first of all, your blood family. Your spouse, your children, uh, you know, your grandchildren, uh, that's, a, that's a strong bond that even the devil can't break. Amen? Amen. And uh, we shouldn't allow him to break it anyway. I know he, right. he, he does try to break, and he does break up some families and stuff, but we shouldn't allow that. Amen? But some of our best memories is with family. Yes. And, uh, you know, whether it's a family we're born into or adopted into or fostered into, whether it's good or bad, it doesn't seem to matter as long as we belong to a family. Yes. Amen. And, have, have a, and we've all experienced some kind of family relationships. Maybe for a short time. Maybe it was a bad memory. Maybe uh, we had a father that left or a mother that left, whether they ran away or passed away or whatever. But the family unit was broken. And I understand that. Uh, but we all have some type of family relationship that we can look back to and relate to. But shortly after God created Adam, he looked at him and said, it's not good for man to be alone. So if God said it's not good for us to be alone, then it must not be normal if you like to be alone. Amen. <laughs> so he takes a rib and he creates Eve, as we looked at. And he performed then the first wedding between one man and one woman. That was the first wedding. And it was through the marriage relationship that a real family is established. As a matter of fact, it's only through the uh, marriage or the relationship of one man and one woman that any family can be established. Uh, two men can't establish a family. They can adopt a child or something. Two women can't establish a family. A family is established from a man and a woman in marriage. Amen? And, and then it, it, it establishes a family and it brings relationships to a whole new level because uh, not only is there a special relationship between the husband and the wife, but now there's a special relationship between the parents and the children, a relationship between the siblings. Then you have the cousins and you have the, the aunts and the uncles and the brother-in-laws and the sister-in-laws and, and the family j just goes to another level and it expands and it becomes a big family. That's what God wants. He wants a big family. Amen? And, and so uh, he created us with different personalities, different wills, different opinions. You know where I'm going, right? So that means we're going to have some disagreements. We're going to have some fights. And, uh, but good or bad or indifference, this is all part of belonging to a family. And sometimes family, family members do things that you don't agree with, and sometimes they say or do things that really hurt. Sometimes they make you mad enough to push them down a flight of stairs and tell God they tripped. I know that, and I've had them feelings, you've had them feelings, but no matter what, we're still family. Amen? And uh, did you know that God is a family man? And God wants a big family. And that's the main reason that he created Adam and Eve. And he ordained the institution of marriage. 
And that's also why he declared that a marriage must be between one man and one woman. Because he told them to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Two men can't do that. Two women can't do that. It has to be between one man and one woman. And then he created them with the ability to produce. He created them with different plumbing for that purpose. And I know we have a lot of confused people nowadays, but if you really want to know, step out of the shower and in front of a mirror, and you'll know what you are and who you are. And nowadays, it's legal to marry a man and a, uh, uh, with another man and a woman with another woman, but that's not God's will for his creation. He created us one man, one woman for the purpose of reproduction. And, you know, like I said, and I, I'm not going to beat it any further, but a man and a man and a woman and a woman can't be fruitful, can't replenish the earth. So anyway, the devil hated the family from the beginning. And he hasn't changed. His hatred, if anything, has grown towards the family. And uh, first of all, he knew Jesus was going to come from a family. He didn't know when or where or how, or, but he knew Jesus would have to come from a family. And so the devil used Pharaoh to kill babies. What kind of babies? Male babies. And then he used King Herod to kill more male babies. And, and then he, nowadays he uses abortion to kill all babies. And he hates the makeup of a family, and that's why he's relentlessly attacked the family since Adam and Eve, the first family. What did he do? He convinced Cain to kill Abel. And then he had Cain uh, exiled out of the family. And so Adam and Eve had to start over again. Uh, he just hates the family. He'll do anything he can to break up a family. That's why Pastor S says we need to be pleading the blood of Jesus on our families and praying over our families on a, dead, uh, on a daily basis because it's going to get worse and worse as we go along. Look at what the devil has done to the uh, institution of marriage and, and what he's done to the family unit in just recent years. Uh, more like the last hundred years, but just in recent years, it seems like it's multiplied and he's become more intense on destroying families. And the divorce rate is higher now than it's ever been in and out of the church. Yes. Uh, uh, last time I seen a, a, a survey, they said that the divorce rate in the church and in the world is about 50-50. It's about the same. And that's, that's a dirty shame. It shouldn't be like that in the church. I mean, the devil's perverted the sanctity of marriage between one man and one woman. And he's, he's convinced us that it's okay to just live together. Just try this one and try that one. If you don't like it, throw her away and get you another one. Throw him away and get you another one. And that's acceptable. But it's not in the eyes of God. So there's more single parents raising children than ever before. And it's a proven fact that no matter how good a job the parent does, and I know a lot of single parents that are doing a fantastic job raising their children. But it's not the same unless a father and a mother are involved with the child on a daily basis, not just on weekends. It's going to make a difference in the child. And, and so he's de destroying families with porn and drugs and alcohol and gambling and just all kinds of dysfunction and everything else that he could use. 
And he knew that Jesus would come from the family, so he wanted to destroy the family. And if, if he couldn't destroy the family, he wanted to contaminate the seed. And that's how he contaminated Adam's seed, because he put sin into it. So Adam had a contaminated seed, and the devil knew that there's no way a perfect Savior, a perfect sacrifice can come from a contaminated seed. If the seed's contaminated, the, the person that comes from it is going to be contaminated. That's why everybody is born into spiritual death. Why? Because the seed they were born with, Adam, the father of all everybody, and Eve, the mother of all living, the seed was contaminated. So God had to do something about that contaminated seed. Uh, and, and God did. He outsmarted the devil, which ain't hard for God to do, right? And, uh, by planting the word, his uncontaminated, incorruptible, perfect seed, he planted into the Virgin Mary. And so avoided the contaminated seed of man. Isn't God smart? He's brilliant. So Christ enters this world without sin, and that qualified him as the perfect sacrifice for, uh, to restore God's family back to righteousness. So God sacrificed his only son so that he could build a church, a family, and he calls us his sons and daughters, and we call each other what? Brothers and sisters. Why? We're a family. And, and it's because the church is a family, it functions like any family. If you want to know how the church functions, just look at your family. The church is the same way. And just like any other family, we have fights and arguments and disagreements and rivalries and different kinds of challenges and struggles and responsibilities. And sometimes we do things wrong. But that's normal for a family. Uh, people have left churches, and there's people that won't even go to a church because the church isn't perfect. Well, the church family is no different than anyone else's family. Your family's not perfect either. My family isn't perfect either. Amen. Our, I mean, our church family is messed up just like your family is messed up. We do things wrong just like your family does things wrong. Amen. But we don't leave the family, we fix it. And the church has siblings that are a little wild and sometimes strange. The church has a crazy brother-in-law and a couple of cousins that are loose and someone that gossips. We even have a hypocrite or two. But our family is no different than anyone else's family. And I'll tell you what, you show me a perfect family, I'll show you a perfect church. Because that's where the, family, where the church family comes from, your family. But I know that you can't show me a perfect family, and I certainly can't show you a perfect church. So what are we going to do? We're going to fix the things that we can fix, forgive the things that need to be forgiven, apologize for the wrongs that we did, and we're going to fix the family. We're not going to leave it. Amen? Amen? There's too much of that going on in the world today. You know, you talk, I talk about warm and fuzzy feelings. we got husbands and wives. As soon as the wife doesn't make the husband feel warm and fuzzy anymore, he wants to get rid of her and get another one that will. And vice versa. There's too much of that 
quitting too easy instead of fixing it. If we will get that resolved that no matter what happens, we're going to fix it. If something breaks, we're going to fix it. If something goes wrong, we're going to fix it instead of just throw it out. Throw the marriage out. Throw the relationship out. Throw the child out. Put the parent in a home. <laughs> nah, I ain't going there. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I'll make my kids mad at me if I say what I was thinking. <laughs> so anyway, what do we do? We just keep trying and we keep doing the best that we could possibly do. Fix what we can. When we, when we mess up, we repent. Amen? When we get hurt, we forgive. When we fight, we make up. When we do someone wrong, we apologize, just like any family should do. But one thing about God's family is that our Father demands perfection. Now, I've had a couple of relationships where, you know, I've had, I've had a stepfather in that, and I had a stepfather that I felt demanded perfection out of me all the time. And it was, it was rough. It was hard sometimes, you know. And I know that he wanted what was best for me. But there's no way that I could be perfect. There's no way that you could be perfect. Nobody could be perfect except one. And that was Jesus Christ. Amen? He was perfect. But you know what? Uh, doing the best we can in the in the church family is never going to be good enough because God requires us to be perfect. And he can't have a relationship with anybody that's less than perfect. And, you know, in the book of Ephesians, God talks about the family unit and he tells husbands to love their wives and he tells the wives that to submit to the leadership of the husband, that the children should obey, honor, and respect the parents. He's talking about a family unit here. And then in the midst of all of that, he refers to the church, and he said that he might present it to himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle and without blemish. What is that? That's a perfect church. God's looking for perfection in his family. But why would he say that in the middle of his instruction towards a natural family? Because the church is his family. Amen. And, but before God could restore his family, there was something that separated him from his creation, and it's called sin. And, and uh, sin had to be removed from the, the equation before God could have a relationship, before God could have a family. That's why the sacrifice came before the church. Not after the church. And so God, uh, I mean, the devil tried to corrupt the first family. And he did. He broke it up. And, and uh, he caused Adam to sin. He corrupted the seed. He was successful in doing that. He even separated the first family from God. Because when sin entered in, God left. God couldn't have fellowship with Adam anymore. And you know that was the desire of his heart. Because every day uh, in the cool of the day, he would come down and he would walk with Adam and probably Eve as well in, in, in the garden. And they would be walking side by side. And Adam would be talking to God. And God would be talking to Adam. And, and can you imagine the things that God could teach his son? Can you imagine the things that... That's why the Bible says Adam was probably the smartest person that ever lived on this earth. Aside from Jesus Christ. Why? Because his mentor was God. God taught him. 
Can you imagine being able to ask any question that you could possibly think of and know that you would get the right answer? That's the situation Adam was in. And so the devil was successful in breaking that up and separating God from his family. So God had a plan to get his family put back together. And so, uh, but in his plan, sin had to be removed. And uh, he said there's no remission of sin without the shedding of not only blood, but innocent blood. Because the wages of sin is what? Death. That's what sin costs. It costs you death. And, and, and because that blood had to be innocent and had to come from a perfect and acceptable sacrifice, uh, he, you, we would wonder, God didn't wonder, but we would wonder where could he possibly find a sacrifice like that? A sacrifice that's perfect, someone that would be acceptable to him. Uh, in other words, the, the, the world needed a savior, a perfect sacrifice that could pay the wages of sin, that could pay the penalty for sin. And he had to do it in such a way that he would stand in and be a substitute for us. Because we could never do it. We could never be uh, perfect. We could never be a sacrifice for sin. So this perfect sacrifice had to not only sacrifice himself, but he had to do it on behalf of God's family, on behalf of God's creation. So he stood in for us. He was our substitute. And, and that's why when you accept his sacrifice... You become just like him. You become the righteousness of God where? In Christ. You everything that was in Christ comes into you. Yeah. Everything that was in, in you went into Christ. Yeah. Except Christ took it to the cross and nailed it there. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So uh, the problem was that God had in heaven himself, the Holy Ghost, and the word. So one of them had become the sacrifice. So God sends the word. He sends the word into the earth. And uh, some people say, you know, well, why would I even need a savior? I'm a good person. I help the elderly. I give to the poor. I work hard every day. I never steal or cheat on my spouse or do any harm to my neighbor. Great. That's commendable. And if it's true, I'm impressed. But hell is full of people just like that. It's not about how good you can be. It's not about what you did or what you can do. Uh, the Bible says that no matter how good we are, we have all sinned and fallen short of the, of the uh, glory of God. We've all fallen short of God's perfect standard. And God has a right to have a perfect standard. This is his world. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything in it belongs to him. He can demand anything he wants. And he demands us to be holy because he's holy. He demands us to be righteous because he's righteous. Yes. And he knows we couldn't do it in ourselves. And so he sends the word. So we're born into sin because of what Adam did in the garden. And because of what Eve did in the garden, uh, in the creation. When he disobeyed God and sin. That sin was passed down to us through him. And, and uh, like it or not, whether it seems fair or not, we're all sinners by nature. And we've all fallen short of God's perfect standard. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us. But God, being a God of love and didn't want to punish Adam for his sin, 
He didn't want to punish you and I for, for our sin. He wanted to punish sin, but he had to do it through his son. He had to do it by sending the word. And this is where the word stepped in. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the, light, the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. They didn't understand this light. And then it says, and the word was made flesh. The word that God sent was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we did this parable of the sower, and we learned in the parable of the sower that the sower was God. The seed was what? The word. So God sent the word, the seed, and planted it in the, little, in the womb of little Mary, the virgin maiden. And the word became flesh. And he became Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And, and he is the infinite God that laid aside his eternal weight and glory, the Bible says. He took off his robe, his kingly robe. He took his crown off. He took his scepter and laid it down. And he came to earth as a common man and lived as a man. But he was still God. He took the sin of all mankind, past, present, and future, in his own body, and although it was the sin that killed him on the cross, it was he that killed sin on the cross. And had the devil known, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But the devil thought he had a victory that day. He thought, he, I finally killed the seed. I finally killed the word. I finally killed the perfect sacrifice. But he didn't know what he was doing was sacrificing uh, the perfect lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. So he shed his blood for the remission of our sin. That was required of God. There is no remission without the shedding of blood. And the Bible tells us that Jesus became sin for us. That's why it's so necessary that we accept him as Lord and Savior. Yes. The sacrifice has been made. Sin has been dealt with. Sin has been punished. Sin has been put away. But if we don't accept the sacrifice, if we don't confess Jesus as Lord, he's not our sacrifice. Amen. He's not our substitute. And that means that we have to be judged for our sin. Yes. And let me tell you, I don't care how good you are or how good you think you are, you are not going to stand through that judgment. It's not going to turn out well for thee. The, you know, the, the scales of justice are going to be way tipped and not in your favor. So, you know, it's like taking a test at school. You can take the test and take your chances, or uh, you can take this test that somebody else took, and I'll give you credit for it, and it's 100%. What are you going to do? You going to take your own test? Some of you might. I wouldn't. I'd give me that 100%er. And that's what you do when you accept Jesus. Give me that perfect sacrifice. Give me that 100%. I'll accept that as my substitute, as my sacrifice. I don't want to take the test myself. I know I'll fall short. Hallelujah. 
But it's not good enough just to simply know these truths. Amen? We, we must, as on an individual basis, quit trusting in ourselves and start trusting in God and start trusting in the sacrifice that he provided and believe that that's enough. And, and, and we have to put our trust and faith in Christ alone for our salvation. So Jesus was the only sacrifice that was perfect enough to be accepted by a righteous and just and holy God. And he has every right to be just. Amen. And expect us to be just. So John the Baptist seen him coming and said, behold, the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sin. Sin of the world. What sin? Adam's sin. The corrupted seed. He takes that away. And God didn't want to punish us and he didn't want to punish his son but he had to punish sin. And, you know, in Isaiah, it says that it actually pleased the Lord to bruise him. What kind of father would be pleased by bruising his own son? One that could see the big picture. That's right. Amen. Yeah. He said, I can, I can bruise this one, then raise him up yeah. and save a world. Yes. And that made it worth it. That's why God was pleased. He wasn't just looking at the bruising of his son, the crucifixion right. of his son. He was looking at what that seed would bring forth in the earth. And that picture was much bigger. Hallelujah. I'm so glad God has a big picture, right? But you know what's so amazing? God knew that all of this was going to happen before he created Adam. Adam's sin didn't catch God by surprise. Amen? And he knew that. In order to establish his family, he would have to sacrifice his only son. He would have to have the word leave heaven, become a human being, and remain a human being forever. The word uh, in its, uh, I want to say creative form, but we can't say it was created. There's no beginning, there's no end. But the word as God knew it in heaven would never be the same word again. Jesus would always, the word would always wear that body of Jesus that was sacrificed on the cross with the holes in the hands and the feet and the spear hole in its side and the scars on his head from that crown. That's how Jesus returned to heaven. And so uh, he made it possible for us to join this big family of God's, to join the family of God and to be born again and become a member of this family. And even though it might not be perfect, the one who created it is the one who was sacrificed for it is the father of this family is perfect and Jesus made us perfect amen and he said in the book of Revelation I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears me and opens I will come into him in other words he's asking for an invitation to come in and that door is the door to our hearts He wants to come into your heart, but he can't come in unless you invite him. You have to open the door. And and so if you'd like to do that this morning, I know uh, everybody in here, I know you well enough to know that you've done that at one time. But I don't know about everybody in our Facebook audience. But if you would like to join this big, wonderful, less than perfect family, (laughs) Hallelujah. You can do that this morning. Uh, But you have to be born into it through what the Bible calls the new birth. That's why they call being saved born again. 
And by accepting the Lord Jesus in your heart, the Bible says you will become a new creation in him. He says old things will pass away. Behold, all things will become new. Now, you'll still be the same on the outside, but everything is going to change on the inside. Your spirit is going to be reborn. Amen. And, you know, in other words, you're going to die to the family of the devil and you're going to be born into the family of God. And it's all done through one little simple prayer. And so here's the thing about it. We're coming into a new year. Wouldn't you like to go into a new year knowing you're born again, knowing you're saved, knowing you're on your way to heaven, knowing you're, all your sins are forgiven and you get to start brand new again? Amen. A brand new start. Yes. All your sins forgiven in the family of God. Yes. That's a good way to start a new year. Yes, Amen. Amen. And so this morning, I want to give everybody an opportunity to do that. Why don't we stand to our feet? I know you may not have to say this prayer, but I want you to say it with me anyway because uh, it will make maybe somebody that needs to say it will make them feel more comfortable in saying it, and they won't feel singled out. Just say this after me. Facebook family, if, if you're out there and you've never accepted the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior, you want to join this wonderful family of his, just say this prayer after me. Father, I believe Jesus is your son. That he died for my sin. I believe he was raised from the dead. And I ask him into my heart. I declare him to be Lord over my life. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. That's it. Simple prayer. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, then you are born again. You are born into the family of God. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And you can go into 2021, uh, a brand new person, have a brand new start. Uh, we started in Genesis, and Genesis actually means a new start. It means new beginnings. And so you will have a Genesis in your life, and you will go into 2021, a brand new person in a brand new family, and you, you can get into a church, and you can draw support from the family, meet the crazy brothers and sisters and, and everybody else that's in the family, and, and get some guidance from the pastor and learn the Word of God. So we love you and appreciate you. I pray, I pray that if you prayed that prayer this morning and you meant it from your heart, Share it with somebody. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. So, uh, in other words, tell somebody you prayed that prayer. Tell somebody that you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you're going into 2021 as a brand new person. God bless you. We love you. See you Wednesday. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.